Well, hey, dealmakers, welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. Today, we're sharing an important presentation from Dealmaker Live, which is by Robert Helms, the founder of The Real Estate Guys, who gave shared with us his outlook for the market in general and multifamily in 2022 and beyond. It was awesome, and you're not going to want to miss it. If you want to see all the other recordings, you can grab the recordings from the event there at dealmakerliveevent.com. Go there now and grab those recordings in case you were unable to join us. I had a shout out for a book review on Amazon by John. He says, I love this book so much for Michael Blanc. The way he explains things just sync up so well for me. That's the intent, John. This book really hit home for me and has already changed my life. And since reading this book, I'm all a fan of Blanc and his information. Listen to his podcast as well. Thank you for that, John. I appreciate that. If you enjoy the yellow book or this podcast, please leave us a review. It helps other people discover those resources as well. You know, as you may know, it's a little rough right now finding deals and we're solving this problem. Really, the, the, the biggest issue isn't so much opportunity. It's really getting the debt right. And we saw this also in when COVID hit and as literally overnight bridge lending went away. Like we relied on bridge lending because we have such a heavy value add component and bridge loans allowed us to finance a part of that construction as well, which was great. When that went away, we had to use agency debt and we were unable to finance the construction. Now, of course, that means that we have to raise more equity, which depresses the returns, which means pushes downward pressure on prices. And it's the same thing right now. Okay. So bridge lending has gotten so expensive because we get floating rate debt. And the reason we do that is that it gives us a flexible exit. The problem with fixed rate debt is that if it says a 10-year term and you want to sell or refinance after two or three years, the prepayment penalties are enormous, basically prevents you from exiting the deal if that's what you want to do. Floating red debt after 12 months, you know, you pay a percent and you're out of it. And the, the problem, of course, is the floating rate component of it. You can mitigate that by getting what's called an interest rate cap. You know, two years ago, 18 months ago, that interest rate cap was, you know, $50,000, whatever. Now that same interest rate cap is $500,000. And it's now at the point where it's just too expensive. And a lot of that is, is, is partly because interest rates have been going up, but also because the volatility and the speed with which it's doing that. So it makes it makes in the short term bridge lending really not a great option. So, you know, we are looking into other other solutions to to solve that. And once we do, we'll be able to pick up some deals right now like we did in COVID. And yes, this it changes your underwriting, right? Because if you can't, for example, get financing for your loan, or you had to put 12 months of interest into escrow, which we did after COVID, well, that changes your underwriting. It actually puts actually a pressure on the on the price. You can't pay as much anymore. Okay. Then you modify your underwriting and then you go forward with that. What's really key right now in this environment, guys, is you got to pay attention. You got to see what's going on right now. Where are the rents going right now? Don't look at old Yardy and CoStar reports that you got from your broker. No. Call your comps right now. Drive them. What are they asking for right now? Are the rents moving up or moving down? Right? What's going on in the debt market right now? Talk to your loan officer. What's going on? What are the loan to value? How are things changing? And then be agile with your underwriting. If you're able to do that, you're going to be able to get some great deals right now. 
because there are more sellers than buyers right now because a lot of people are just sitting back for a second going, hey, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to wait a minute. And for those who are astute and educated, this is going to be a fantastic opportunity to get into some deals. So on to our guest here, Robert Helms with the Real Estate Guys founder with Russell Gray. And one of the things I love about Robert, he's always a student. And one of the things that, that they do in their, in their retreats is they bring a lot of smart economists and real estate investors in there. And Robert just studies all these, all these things. He's been doing this for a long time, 18 years. His father, his late father, Bob, was called the godfather of real estate. He's been doing it even longer than his son has. And he's involved in development projects, easily exceeding $300 million. So he, he sees a lot. He has done a lot. And every year we invite him back to Dealmaker Live like we did this past year because he has such perspective on things. It's not just real estate, but it's interest rates, it's inflation, it's the value of precious metals and everything in between. This is a great, fantastic talk. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that here from Dealmaker Live. Here is Robert Helms with The Real Estate Guys. My mentor Jim Rohn says that formal education will make you a living, but self-education will make you a fortune. Everything you learned in high school and college is enough to make a living, and if that's enough for you, then you wouldn't be spending a weekend here. What you learn after you leave those hallowed halls is what matters. So first of all, brilliant that you're here. Has this been a great event? Yes, it's been a great event. Thanks to Michael and his amazing team for taking such good care of us this weekend. And the pace and the, the content has been extraordinary. And my favorite thing is though I loved Damon John's talk. Was he amazing? And I met him about three months ago and he walked up to me and introduced himself. Like, how weird is that? Hi, I'm Damon John. I'm like, I know. Well, yeah, like you're on that shark show. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't ever hear him do that talk though last night. It was extraordinary. And it's great to have people who have done amazing things share. But the panels are where the power is, what we call evidence of success. If you're brand new and this all seems overwhelming, just know everybody who's been on this stage was once where you are. Brian Tracy says everyone at the front of the line was once at the back of the line. Now here's what's not true. Not everybody who gets in line makes it to the front of the line. Some would rather have excuses. Now I just found it was a lot easier to get wealthy than to keep apologizing and making excuses for why I wasn't. And you're in a place where that's happening all around you, so make sure you get some of it. So this is a conference on Apartments. Apartments are one of the many ways you can invest in real estate. If you've heard our show, you know we talk about all kinds of real estate investing all over the world. We also talk a lot about broader picture economics, so I'll cover some of that today. But at the end of the day, this is the bread and butter of real estate. If you're not already convinced that apartments are awesome, then you haven't been paying attention. I invest in a lot of places, in a lot of different asset classes, and by far, most of my holdings are just like you guys, apartment buildings, because it makes so much sense for all the reasons other speakers have already shared. What has happened recently in the apartment markets? What has happened recently? Brian and I were talking at lunch yesterday when our favorite question when people say, well, how's the real estate market? Well, there is not a real estate market. There's all kinds of real estate markets. Raise your hand if in your market, your apartment buildings are worth more and the rent's gone up everybody, right? That's what's happened in the last couple of years is that the prices are up and rent is up. And this is a good thing, right? Now, here's the challenge with this. You didn't do it. No, some of you think you're so stinking smart because you bought apartment buildings three years ago. Now you were smart for doing it. 
but you weren't the magic. The magic is what we're going to talk about today. What are the things that are coming down the road? Because it's really easy to predict the past, but it is more difficult to predict the future, and yet that's what we have to do. We've already had some great, great insight. Brian was awesome with the markets today. Jay yesterday talking about, Michael started out talking about some of the big points of why the market is going in a direction that'll be beneficial. I'm gonna help by sharing what's gonna happen in the future. In fact, how many of you would like to know the exact date and time the next crash is gonna happen? All right, at the end of my presentation, I'll be sure and tell you that. But until then, here's what the media is saying, and here's what some of the smartest people I know are saying, change is coming. Change is coming. That's how it is. Now, that's always how it's been, but I do believe that we are going to see a more fundamental change in our world in the next three years than anyone in this room has ever experienced before. Do you believe that? For a lot of reasons, some good, some not so good. It is a strange and challenging time. That's not to be negative in any way because change is not the enemy. Change is where all the magic happens. The story that Chris just told was amazing, right? Two people come together and their lives change in a moment. Now, of course, there was a lot of work that had to happen after that moment, right? One of my favorite quotes is this. It's been attributed to Helen Keller, but people don't think that's true, but it's still a great quote. I hardly, I love quotes, I hardly ever will use an anonymous quote because I just don't like that. I think that's laziness. But sometimes there are sayings that are just so good, so it may have come from Helen Keller, it may not have. But here's the saying. Abandon the road is not the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. Abandon the road is not the end of the road unless you fail to make the turn. So let's be aware of what some people are saying. Now, how many of you get your news from the mainstream media? You get your news from the mainstream media. You can raise your hand. It's okay, because I'm going to convince you in a minute that you absolutely need to pay attention to the mainstream media. How many of you get your news from other places? Okay, everybody, and this is good. Because you do realize that what the mainstream news says about anything is likely not to be true, right? I was a journalism minor. I've been in radio and TV my whole life. Okay, let's face it, radio. The perfect face for radio. We had a television show for a little while. It was a lot of fun to do. But gosh, talk about work. You sure appreciate the people that work on that. And then you get in the audio. It's like this is so simple. But we have a room that's big enough to, I think, do this. So I want you to raise your hand if you have been interviewed for a blog or a newspaper or a magazine, not for radio or TV? Have you been interviewed for a blog, a newspaper article, or a magazine? Raise your hand and look around nice and high. Now keep your hands up if when you read the article, they got it right. Okay, a few, thank you for that, but did you notice what just happened in the majority of the hands? Now I knew that because I researched each of you on the Whova app before I got here. I haven't even been on the Whova app. Sorry, I'm not on social media either dinosaur. But the point is this. We just saw proof that journalists don't get it right. Most of the people who have been quoted in the press were not quoted correctly. Here's why. A person in journalism who has that career, here's what they have to do every day. 800 words by deadline. 800 words by deadline. And they get paid about $60,000 a year to do that. Not for accuracy, not for any of that. And so they interview you, and this has happened to me, and they take down notes, and, and then they publish whatever they were going to say anyway. Now, today we get asked to be on some news shows and things. I'm often on NTB Business News, and they'll do a, a 
15-minute interview, and then they'll cut the 10 seconds out that they want. Now, so far, it's happened a bunch of times. What I've said is what I said, but it is possible to ma manipulate audio and video too. If it wasn't, our show would be 10 minutes longer with a lot of ums and ahs and mistakes. I still edit the show myself. I'm a mother hen. It's crazy. Should delegate that, shouldn't you? Yeah, but when it's the most important thing, oh my gosh. All right, so let's take a look at what some of the media is doing. By the way, the reason you want to pay attention to the mainstream media isn't because it's correct. It's because most of your investors are paying attention and you better know what they're reading and what they're talking about. That's why you need to know. I'm not saying it's the truth. I'm saying you need to be able to speak to it, especially when someone who has money somewhere in the markets is considering putting it into real estate. You better understand how to talk about stocks and bonds and mutual funds and gold and oil and all those things. Not because you want to invest in them necessarily, but because you can have honest, real conversations with people that have more money than you do. You have to do a lot of that in this business. All right, Time Magazine, this was May 19th. Signs are pointing to a slowdown in the housing market at last. Just about everyone agrees the reason home prices have shot up 34% in the last two years is that there's a lot of demand for housing, but not enough supply, okay? 800 words by deadline. Now, the cost of a monthly mortgage payment for a median price home jumped 27% from a year ago. So let's just stop for a minute. For you and I as apartment building owners, if there are more people that cannot afford a mortgage, is that good or bad for us? That's great. They used to call it the American dream. I don't know if it's true anymore. To buy a home and own your own home. And that's awesome and I'm supportive of that. But until they can, I want them to rent from us, right? Right, all right. So there's one point on the curve. Slow down in the housing market. Most of the headlines you'll read online or anywhere else about real estate or about the single family housing market. Is that the market you're in? Well, some of you have a few houses, but no, it's not. Everything about it's different, but still we wanna get the big picture on what is being said and the why behind it. Next, this came out, I don't know why, from the Calgary Herald. They've got nothing else to do in their lockdown, I guess. U.S. housing starts fall more than expected. U.S. housing starts. You've already heard on this stage that we have a gap between demand and supply, and we are underbuilt on a lot of types of real estate. But look at this. It says that, accordingly, the pullback, May 27th, is likely due to rising costs of materials and labor, along with rising interest rates. Who's experienced either of those things? Yeah, interest rates are up and it costs more to get stuff. Okay, it costs everybody more to get stuff, almost. So this is from the Wall Street Journal. It was May 24th. Rising interest rates concern who? Apartment building owners and renters. Okay, this is not about single family homes. This is about you guys. How many of you, raise your hand if you are concerned about interest rates? Okay. How many of you are staying up late at night worrying about it? No. So my dad, we call him the godfather of real estate. He uh, had invested in, since 1957 was his first investment. And his belief was, if the interest rate has a single digit in it, it's awesome. Because he'd been through all kinds of craziness. If you've only been investing in the last three or four years, then you're like, oh my gosh, the rates are so high. Hello, no, they're not. Besides, it doesn't really matter what money costs. It's what you can do with it. Now, hold that thought. I'm going to visit that in a different way in a minute. All right, what are they saying here? Steeper borrowing rates make it harder for apartment landlords to pay back their loans. Is that true? 
That's true. They go on to say two things have happened recently that make future profits more challenging. Number one is investors have started to buy buildings at prices that don't make any sense. Have you witnessed this? Yep. When cap rates compress, when there's a whole bunch of people trying to buy apartment buildings, then somebody pays too much. And the second thing is interest rates have shot up quickly. So much so that some multifamily initial return rates have fallen a percentage point or below the interest rate on their mortgage. We call that negative leverage or arbitrage. Arbitrage is a big fancy word that is an awesome word. It's one of the benefits of real estate and really beyond real estate that if I can borrow money at one rate and earn at another rate and there's a positive difference, that's a good thing. If I can borrow at 6%, but I can earn 8%, the difference is arbitrage. Now, if I could borrow at 6% and I could make an 8% return, then how much money would I want to borrow? Yeah, all of it. Yeah, a lot, right? Now, imagine you could get under 6% and make over 8%. I don't know where you could do that, but that would be really good, right? Here's the great news about syndication, just in case you haven't figured it out. Your investors are going to entrust your hard work, your experience, your relationships, all the things that you bring to the party. You're a steward of their funds, and they are going to make a return on their money thanks to you but you are also gonna make a return on their money. Oh, that's the good part. All right, so that's the Wall Street Journal. Consumer confidence dips on worries over inflation and slowing US economy. Isn't that the same thing we're saying? Well, kind of. This particular article written yesterday, well, not actually yesterday, yesterday when I did the slides, which was a few days ago. Yesterday, I think it was May 31st, they said that Americans have fewer plans to buy cars, homes, appliances, and other big ticket items. Why is it that our tenants have nicer big screen TVs than we do? Have you noticed that? All my tenants have bigger, bolder, brighter, clearer TVs than I do, and they do not own a vacuum. It's crazy. <laughs> tenants are just crazy. Here's something I want to teach you about journalism. All right? Remember, 800 words by deadline. A survey of U.S. consumer confidence. When you read an article that says a report was released yesterday or a survey came out, what should you discipline yourself to do? Go read the survey. Go get the report. Because what you're reading here is a journalist's opinion having read some of the report. So you click on it if it's easy. And here's the actual report from the conference board. This press release was 31st of May. And Look what it says, high inflation and rising interest rates, cool consumers' optimism and spending plans. Now, if you go through to read it, it gives you some more nuances based on their research. Again, this is a poll. They're finding out information from a lot of people. The most interesting thing I found was this, the chart. This is their consumer confidence index. Now, consumer confidence, does that affect you as an apartment owner? Well, it does in a couple of indirect ways. First of all, based on consumer confidence, your potential investors may or may not invest, depending on their feel and take of the market. But it also does affect your tenants. When do we see the worst consumer confidence in the, on the chart? Back right after the crash in 2008. Not surprising. And then look what happened. There's another. Who knows what that was? No, not Biden. COVID. That's COVID. When it, and then where are we now, right? So it's not the lowest it's ever been, but it's something to take notice of. All right. One more. Maybe a couple more. Yahoo Finance gas prices. Seven U.S. states top $5 per gallon. Yeah. Now that may not affect you, 
In fact, most of you, it doesn't affect. You're not happy, right? It was $2, now it's $5. You're not happy about that. What about your tenants? Are your tenants affected by that? More than you are. How many of you own apartments in a market where the tenant will move over a $50 a month rent increase? Me too, right? We wouldn't think that way. If your mortgage went up $50, you'd be like, eh. But tenants are not you. You are not tenants. I mean, some of you are tenants. All right. And then this was in June. Finally, a current article. And then finally, this is good news, I think. Check this out. Gen Z fuels apartment demand in 2022. So first of all, it says that the number of applicants for apartments from renters across all demographic cohorts amounted to 3.2 million, which is a 10% increase. That's good. Most of those came from Gen Z members. See, I talked earlier about the American dream. Does Gen Z, do they have the American dream? They just want to buy a home? Some of them do. Many of them do not. They watched what happened to their parents and their grandparents. They're like, I don't know that I need to do that. Plus, they love to share everything. They have apps to let them share everything. I just got back from some fabulous city. Where, where did I go? Oh, Austin, Texas. And they have the scooters everywhere. Like, I counted more scooters than people. And you just use the app. And we did that in Nashville. And it's a lot of fun. But... You know, they, they don't need to own a scooter when they can just get one anytime they walk out their door. So this is actually pretty good news. Now, I have better news. New study shows mushrooms communicate with each other using vocabulary of 50 words. Oh, wrong presentation. Sorry. So what do we do with all this data? You've got not just my few articles, but you've gotten a lot of data this weekend. Michael started us off yesterday with some great metrics. We learned about markets. Jay shared a lot with us yesterday afternoon. There's a lot to think about and worry about. So what matters the most of all the metrics? You do. You matter the most. Because what happens next in your life, in your business, is almost, not completely, almost independent of what happens in the economy. We want to pay attention. We want to follow the cement, follow the dollars. If, if all you did was watch Brian's presentation a couple more times, not just for the markets he chose, but for the why behind all those lists, you start to get some clues. But a lot of it's going to have to do with you. So in order to do this, I'm going to suggest you do something called a SWOT analysis. Who knows what a SWOT analysis is? Okay, if you don't know, it's pretty simple. SWOT is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. In my mind, two of those are external and two are internal. Let's talk about the first two, strengths and weaknesses. This is you. This has nothing to do necessarily with the outside world. You have to, as Jim Collins says in his great book, Good to Great, you have to confront the brutal facts. You're good at some things, and you're not good at some other things. You're an integrator, or you're a visionary, or you're a spreadsheet person, or you're a people person. Here's what you have to do. Be clear on who you are and why. So your strengths, what is your company good at? My friend Kyle Wilson will call this your secret sauce. Liz shared yesterday morning about your core genius. So be honest. It's not politically correct to pat yourself on the back, but you have my permission to do that when doing your SWOT analysis. Be clear. Here's what we're good at. Michael was very candid. Of the three things involved in syndication, finding deals, finding money, and operations, he says, we're good at all of it, but operations is our weakest part. Not that they're bad at that, but that's the part they're focusing on increasing. What's that for you? What are you strong at? What are you good at? What are you missing? And then weaknesses, you have to be even more brutal. Like if you suck at stuff, be honest about it. 
Be honest about it. And then use the ideas Chris shared on how to find maybe a partner or another team member that has those complementary skills. I try to be sure that I can only do a very few things well so that people don't ask me to do much else. So I'm really excited about our mentoring program because of the results that we're achieving for our students. It's really the only program out there that guarantees results, meaning that we can guarantee you're going to do your first deal in the first 12 months. And uh, no one else does that. And we can do that because we have figured out the blueprint to getting people to do your first deal. So if you value mentorship and you feel like it can accelerate your goals, allow you to scale bigger and avoid the expensive mistakes, then check out our mentoring program. It's at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. You can ch- you can schedule a call with us there, a strategy session, and see if mentoring is right for you. That's themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor. All right. So those are you. That's going to be up to you and your business. Let's spend some time talking about the market opportunities and threats because there's a bunch. So opportunity-wise, opportunities, first of all, are for optimists. So develop an optimistic attitude. Dugan was sharing that today. It was awesome. Optimists get all the opportunities. If that weren't true, we'd call them pessitunities. So let's take a look at what some of the current opportunities that exist in the world today are. First of all, rents are increasing. Have you noticed? Rents are up. That's good, right? That's good. Now, we learned today that rents are not up equally everywhere. That's also good. It's one of the greatest things about real estate. You vote with your money where you go. And money goes to where it's loved and appreciated. Rents are increasing. That's a good thing. There's a housing shortage. Depending on who you listen to, I heard 5 million yesterday. I have a friend who really, really studies this stuff. She was in the Federal Reserve here in Dallas for nine years. Her name is Danielle DiMartino Booth. Who knows who Danielle is? If you don't get her book, It'll freak you out, but it's amazing. It's called Fed Up, Why the Federal Reserve is Bad for America, an insider's take. Anyway, super, super smart. She's one of the few market analysts that studies the real estate market, not from the way we do, but it's really, really good stuff. She believes the housing shortage is not as big as five or four or three million, but she says it's a, it's a solid million. Either way, she's maybe the most pessimistic at it, but she believes there's a housing shortage coming. We need more houses. Many of them are falling into disrepair and whatever is creating the population continues to happen. So we need more houses. What else? Interest rates are low. Not as low as they were last week, but they're low, right? Interest rates, I mean, for the price of capital, we are living in the heyday of being able to borrow. So if you don't believe that, talk to your dad or your mom, right? They're going to say, oh, interest rates are great. So low interest rates, that's good. Investors are less trusting of Wall Street. Do you agree? We used to trust Wall Street, not anymore. They've been exposed as a bunch of thieves who run casinos. If you don't want to bother to get educated, then put your money in a mutual fund and good luck with that. You guys do so much better than that, partially because you care more, but also because you don't necessarily get paid on the churn, you get paid on the activity, which is a good thing. But because investors are less trusting of Wall Street, that's great news for you. Our whole mission at The Real Estate Guys is helping getting money out of Wall Street and into Main Street, where good, competent operators like yourself put that money to work and watch it carefully. What else? Real estate's a proven investment vehicle. Of all the things you're good investment, real estate's the best. It's the single best. I'll have that conversation with anybody anytime. There's other things to invest in. We'll touch on a couple of them, but primarily real estate just rocks for so many reasons. And I don't know, I, I originate from Silicon Valley, and there's a lot of technology there, and it's making our lives better in some ways. And... I don't think there's ever going to be a technology that eliminates the need for human beings to sleep under a roof. 
This is a product that people need. Follow me on this. Every single dollar that you put into stocks, bonds, oil, gas, cryptocurrency, every single dollar you invest in those things is 100% discretionary. Do you have to buy any Bitcoin? Nope. Do you ever have to invest in equities in the stock market? Nope. Do you have to have to invest in oil and gas? No, 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 no. You don't ever have to. It's discretionary. Not true for real estate. You cannot sit out the real estate market economically. Maybe you're not going to own real estate, but you're going to interact economically with real estate. We call those people tenants. You can't sit out. Even, even people that live under a bridge are interacting with real estate. You can't sit out the market. It's proven. That's good news. Tenant landlord law. Tenant landlord law varies greatly, but the good news is you can decide where to buy. How many of you consider the tenant landlord law before you pick a location? Every hand should be up. Absolutely. I, I met a guy many years ago at a real estate event, and it was a pivotal moment for me because we just happened to, at the time, own the same number of doors many, many years ago, more than 20 years ago. And how, what's the likelihood that we would own the same number of doors? We get to talking, there's one difference. Every one of my doors was in California. That's where I live. That's where I love. That's where the place, you know, weather's great. It's fabulous. And I wish they could all be California girls. None of his property, even though we lived in California, not a single door of his was in California. What an awesome conversation. So first of all, who had more top line real estate? But he got me thinking. And that's what led to the quote many of you know me for, which is live where you want to live and invest where the numbers make sense. Maybe you live in a market that's awesome, but if you don't, you can go where your money is appreciated. Tenant and landlord law is different everywhere. And you can choose. It's great news. And then there are tax incentives. You're going to hear from CPA Tim Gertz in just a little bit. And tax is an awesome element of real estate investing. Now, he gets a little more excited about tax than I do. But the good news is, real, if you're new to this, I know saw a lot of hands yesterday morning, a lot of people are new. Real estate investors, we don't pay a lot of tax. And that's legally. And Tim's going to cover some of that, but also I think some of the changes and so on. But there are tax incentives in real estate. So I think those are all opportunities. Now, there are some threats. But, oh, there's another big one. You're here. Like, duh. It's a huge opportunity. How many of you have already met somebody really super cool? Look at that. Awesome. That's going to continue. We still got a few hours left. Let's talk about the threats because there are some and they are real. The first one's the big one. The one that everybody's talking about, of course, is inflation. Inflation. So your buildings are up in value and your rents are up. Inflation sucks. If you're on the right side of inflation, it's not a problem. Here's the problem. It's your tenants. It's your tenants. Their wages are not going up as fast as the market would have you believe. So this could be a challenge for you. Not only that, if you're building, if you're developing, if you've got a lot of CapEx budget coming up, then this is going to be a concern for you. Supply chain and pricing are in trouble, right? Who personally has had an issue with supply chain or with the pricing of your components? Yeah, pretty much everyone doing anything. Okay. What else? Higher interest rates. They're good. They're not going to go crazy. We heard, learned yesterday, but still they are going up. And does that affect your cash flow? Yes, it does. And does it affect your cash flow when you pay more for the building? Yes, those two things are true out of the article. It does. Just be aware. There are some answers. We'll talk about them. Tax increases. Tax increases. Now, that's not alarming because as real estate investors and as entrepreneurs, we figure out how to work the tax law to our advantage. That's exactly what Tim spends all his time doing. So the good news is 
There's ways to pay as little tax as legally possible. But the bad news is we got to think more about this stuff because the current administration, at least here in the United States, is in favor of more taxes. It's not right or wrong. I'm not political. It just it is what it is. All right, what else? Cap rate compression. Everyone know? Well, does everyone know? Who doesn't know what I mean by cap rate compression? It's okay if you don't know. Okay, some of you are new. Most of you are like, I don't want to hear about it again. Here's the idea. When you buy an apartment building, you buy and pay for and receive two things. Two things. When I buy an apartment building, an income-producing property, I pay for two things. What are they? The income and the property. When I buy income property, I get the income and I get the property. Now, if I'm buying a performing asset, sure, I could get to perform better, and I'm going to. That's part of my plan. But if it's performing, it already has cash flow. What cap rate compression, cap rate is a capitalization rate, the return on your money. When the price gets bid up for the same amount of income, the percentage return goes down. That's how it is. So when we're in a super crazy competitive market like we've been in the apartment space for the last many years, cap rates get compressed so far now that in many markets, they don't make any sense. You have your little box, you walk if you can't get stuff to fit in there. And you should. You shouldn't just overpay. Many years ago, I was at a land auction in Nevada. BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, does these auctions a couple times a year. And I was in the development business, did a lot of projects in Las Vegas. And it was the first time at the BLM auction. Now, to get into the auction, to be bidding, you have to prove liquidity and you have to prove you can close within 30 days on a property. So it's not just a big free-for-all. It's a, it's a room about a third of the size of this. Well, as you walk in, they've got a whole book on basically every property they're going to auction off. They've made this available ahead of time so you can do your research. So my partner and I have only two parcels of the 60-something that we're actually interested in. We get talking to another guy we've been in the market before, before we had been anywhere near to be in a position to do anything. And good guy, home builder, been building homes there for 40 years. And he goes, well, what are you guys looking at? And I go, well, we're looking at this. And he goes, yeah, me too. Good sign. And we're looking at this. And he goes, interesting. Not the answer I was looking for. Anyway, fast forward. The first property comes up and we have set, my partner and I, the maximum that we're going to pay ahead of time. Is that a smart practice? Yep, absolutely. This is as much as we're going to pay. We get in there and the bidding starts and the bidding starts and we make our bid and the bidding and we make another bid and it goes over our price. And my partner makes another bid. I'm like, no, no, no. So we said, we said, remember, right? But he got caught up and we didn't get the property. I guess that's a good thing. Finally, the next property that we were going to bid on shows up and I said, do not bid first. There was not a single bid on that property, not one in a room of 60 developers in Las Somebody knew more than we did, which is always the case. So cap rate compression means it's gonna be harder to find great deals, which is why teamwork matters even more. And then insurance and reinsurance, that's a longer topic than we have time for, but that could be an issue. So don't just take for granted that you could easily get your insurance. And then here's a big one, finding a replacement property. A lot of you are like, you know, we could sell now and look at the return. But then what do you do to the money? Go into a lesser market or a lesser, I mean, it's a, it, you can figure it out, but it is a bit of a threat. So those are some of your threats. And then I think the biggest threat is global political instability. This is a crazy time. There's a lot going on in the world. I don't know if the zombie apocalypse is coming, but something's coming and there's a lot of it. So just pay attention. Before I get into some strategies, let's cover some other things that are happening. Inflation and supply chain, this is what's happened in consumer prices since 1950. Can anyone spot the trend there? Okay, prices are up and up and up and up. 
Now, many of you have heard that we have set record-setting inflation. That's true. Here's what inflation looks like. And this is in January when we hit 7.5. We've hit higher than that. But it's a long time since inflation has been this high. Now, again, good and bad. The good side is look at asking rents in the various areas of real estate. Asking rents are up in 2021, the end of 2021, a lot, starting to dip a little bit in apartments, but rents are up. That's a good thing. This is not a good thing. This is historical trend in construction materials. What the average index is, the black bars, and then the green in DealMaker Live Green is the percentage increase. Ow! So we construct a lot of property. I'm in the development business and we buy a lot of materials. And like you, those of you in development, this has been the bane of our existence for the last couple of years. And I don't think it's over. My friend, Dr. Chris Martinson says, we ain't seen nothing yet in terms of log jams and supply chain and the ability to get stuff that we need. So just be forewarned. At the same time, what's happening is the purchase power of the US dollar has a trend too. A little harder to see here. Can you see the trend? For the last hundred years, the purchasing power of the dollar has trended in a particular direction. Let me put it in a way you'll understand. This was the cost of a cup of coffee in these various years. The last one I have is 2015 because you know what you paid this morning. The reason for that isn't because coffee's gotten so much better. The reason is because we print money and lots of it. The reason your buildings are up in value, the reason that your tenants didn't have to go to work for six months is because we just print, print, print. And you can see we have more money printing than ever. Now, I know some of you, your eyes start to glaze over when people start talking about the Federal Reserve and the printing of money. So I'll make it really easy for you to understand. The more money that gets print, if we don't make more stuff, the price of everything goes up. It's exactly why my friend Robert Kiyosaki says, cash is trash. Cash is trash. Now you're going, wait a minute. Aren't I in this business for cash? Well, no, you're not. You're in this business for assets that create cash flow. Very different proposition because price is not the same of, as value. Who has some money with them? Is anybody carrying money with them? Today, let me see it. Let me see your money. Show me your money. Show me the money. Come on. Nobody's got money. Not a credit card. Is that money? That, that looks like, that looks like, no, 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 that's currency. <laughs> anybody have any money? Or do you all just have worthless fiat paper? Does anybody, nobody in the room has money? Somebody has money. You guys have some money. Awesome. No, that looks like cash as well. That's, that's trash is what that is. No, what I'm talking about isn't the funny stuff you're carrying. What I'm talking about is the thing that has been money since the dawn of time, which is gold, gold. How much is an ounce of gold worth? What's an ounce of gold worth? This is an ounce of gold. It feels good in your hand. It's shiny. It's beautiful. What is an ounce of gold worth? You know, eighteen hundred dollars, a thousand. An ounce of gold is worth an ounce of gold. This never changes its value ever. It's an ounce of gold. In 1920, an ounce of gold would buy you a nicely tailored men's suit in 1920. In 1950, an ounce of gold would buy you a nicely tailored men's suit. Same thing in 1980, same thing today. Today, 1,852 US dollars will buy a very nice custom tailored men's suit. 
The utility hasn't changed. The dollar has been perverted. This is an eye chart of the stock market and equities for 100 years. This is what corporations have done through the stock market. They've just kind of trended up. Is that really true? Or did we simply print more dollars? This is the inverse of the value of the dollar. Here's the more recent last 20 years of the stock market. Last 20 years, the stock market has done, on average, fairly well in terms of dollars. Now, I'm going to take a quick aside from this conversation. We're just going to focus for a minute on this little part. That is this chart. This is the last year in the stock market. How's that look? Ooh, maybe not so good. Back to our story. Over 20 years, the market goes up. Now I'm going to break a paradigm for you. This is the stock market valued in paper bills that are going down in value every minute. 8.5% inflation means your $100 is worth 8.5% less a year from now. You got it? This is the same exact time period of the stock market valued in grams of gold. In grams of gold. Gold never changes its value, ever. But the price changes. So we are not at the peak of the stock market in real terms. This is good news. Let's talk real estate. This is the Case-Shiller Index. The blue is priced in dollars. The red is priced in grams of gold. Do you see the difference? Price is not value. We get so caught up in U.S. dollars. Because I own real estate in a lot of countries, I've been able to separate my mind from that and train myself, and it's hard to do, not to equate everything into the U.S. dollar because it's a bigger picture than that. I'll show you one more. Median home price over time, real estate always goes up and equity happens, except not when you price it in a stable commodity. That's the end of my gold discussion. I do not, as Michael said, believe that gold is an investment. However... I believe that gold and silver have a ton of value. That's a discussion we can have in the hallway if you choose to. Anytime you see me, unless I'm in my bathing suit in Belize, I always have an ounce of silver with me, and usually a different one, and I don't always carry an ounce of gold. So what do we do with that? What's the strategy? What are we going to do? Well, I think one of the best things to do is invest in real assets, things that are actual, tangible, not paper, not baloney, not malarkey, not fiat but stuff that really matters like real estate and agriculture and oil and gas and gold and silver. But you're already doing that. That's what real estate is. So let's talk about being prepared for come what may. When we look at the best teams in the world, they're good at just offense, right? No, no, no. They play offense and defense. I'm not going to spend any time talking about offense. You're already doing that. You know how to go get more, how to get in position, how to get mentored, all that stuff. But let's talk about some defensive strategies. I'll tell you when we're done with the slides today. You take a picture if you want. I'll cover these really quickly. First of all, locking in low fixed rate financing. When you can do it, you can't always do it in apartments. But if interest rates are headed up, then looking at all of your debt and figuring out if you can lock some in could make sense. Anything you have that's adjustable. Second is what I call recession-resistant pricing. Sometimes as we go from C to B to A, we start to get enamored of the pretty buildings and the tennis courts and the elevators. The challenge is that when things go bad for your tenants, people will move from that stuff down into B. And when things go well, they'll move from C back up into B. So it's why I like stuff that's recession resistant. If you are a single family home investor, that's stuff below the median price. Diverse tenant mix. If all of your apartment tenants worked in restaurants and health clubs in March of 2020, you had a problem. 
right? So being diverse in your tenant mix, not having all your eggs in one basket makes a ton of sense. Proven markets with strong fundamentals, Brian covered that brilliantly. Tax-favored investments, Tim will share some ideas about that. Proper legal structure, proper legal structure. Now, Dugan didn't talk about entity structure because that's not his primary expertise, but he's smart as a whip, and he can certainly give you some ideas about structuring yourself so that you have charger order, charger order protection, if you're not familiar with that. Concept called equity stripping. Kiyosaki told me many years ago that, see, there's one more, and then you can take the picture, that you should appear poor on paper, own nothing, but control everything. So there's a big discussion around that, but if you have idle equity sitting exposed to the market and predators, there's ways to fix that. And triple net or master leases, that's all of them on this slide, there'll be one more. I have a building in Sacramento, California that has a master tenant. This master tenant has paid me on time every first of the month for 18 years. Now it's a building that's filled of apartments, but I don't worry, nor does my manager about renting those apartments. I've instead leased the building with a master lease to a group that has a big heart for a particular strata of the population and they keep it rented, it's up to them. I'm not suggesting that's the way to buy everything, but that is a defensive strategy to make sure you're betting on one. I could tell you another story, but I don't want to take, I don't want to go over time. Vigorous underwriting. You're going to learn, especially if you're new, through the Michael Blanc team, that you've got to understand underwriting. It's been covered up here a little bit. It's even more important now. When the market's just going up with no sign of stopping, eh, you can be a little sloppy. You cannot be sloppy if we go into a change in the market. You need to really sharpen your pencils and you need strong third-party property management, duh. But this is the problem people who have been in single family kind of have to deal with. You can manage your own single family house. You cannot manage your own 200 unit apartment building, nor would you want to. Syndication, the very thing we do, raise money, I think is a way to get part of stronger deals and their safety in numbers on both sides, on the GB side and on the LP side. Hedge your position, hedge, metals are great for hedging, cryptocurrency could be a hedge, notes, how you select your markets, all that's gonna hedge. I love getting rich in a niche, but if that niche was, we were talking about this at lunch, Kenny McElroy's friend who opened up the new chain of health clubs January of 2020, Oops, right? So you got to hedge a little bit and then the safest real estate categories, right? And then finally, and this is an argument we can debate at the break, is keeping some dry powder. That's all the bullet points there if you want to take that picture. We've had Donald Trump on our show twice before he was president. After president, he's kind of tainted, right? He's like, no one wants to hear about him and the ones that do, well, you know. So we asked him, Mr. Trump, what did you learn in the good times? And what did you learn in the bad times? And he said, well, you know, in the good times, I didn't really learn that much. But in the bad times, I learned it's always good to have some cash. Now, this is an argument. Some people are trying to keep dry powder. Some people are trying to get rid of the hot potato, which is dollars going down in value every minute. You got to figure that out. So when is the bubble going to pop? Let's look at what the experts are saying. First of all, the prices of houses seem to have reached a plateau and there is reasonable expectancy the prices will decline. Houses cost too much for the mass market. Today's average price is out of reach for two-thirds of all buyers. The goal of owning a home seems to be getting beyond the reach of more and more people. The era of easy profits in real estate is drawing to a close. And if you're looking to buy, be careful. Rising home values are not a sure thing anymore. The media would have you believe that the sky is falling. Now, let's just add to the edge of the slide when those things were said. You know, 
I really am glad I didn't go out in 1981 and buy a lot of real estate. That would have been stupid. Real estate is the greatest investment. Little greenhouses are okay, but big red apartment buildings are even better. I'm going to end with a quiz. Raise your hand if you believe there will be a demand for real estate in the future. Who believes that's true? Okay, awesome. Raise your hand if you think people will need clean, safe, affordable housing. In the, okay, good. That's not going to change. Do you think property will be worth more 20 years from now than it is today? Who thinks yes? Okay, excellent. Who thinks that great operators will trump average operators? And who thinks that tenants will go to where they are loved and appreciated? Right? Absolutely. If you believe that, ladies and gentlemen, then the future is so bright, I got to wear shades. Thank you very much for your time and attention. Make it happen. So a big thank you to Robert Helms for sharing these insights. It was a, a presentation that was just amazing. Hope you enjoyed that. You know, and there's a lot, a lot of things going on. As an active investor and entrepreneur, you really got to pay, pay attention to what's going on in the market. If you do not want to be an active investor, but you'd rather be a passive investor and leave the heavy lifting to an experienced operator, we'd love to be that operator for you. Our investment firm is called Nighthawk Equity. And we'd love to have a discussion with you about potentially passively investing with us. So head on over to nighthawkequity.com, click the join button, you can schedule a call with us and then see if investing is something that's for you. And we're always working on the next deal. So we'd love to share that with you. So if you, you guys were inspired by that, just pay attention to what's going on right now. It's now is the time to buy, right? Just really sharpen your pencil and see what opportunity you can take advantage of. With that, catch you next episode. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.